Um, so if you were to drive by my house uh, yesterday or today, uh, you probably won't notice it as much as you go on through the week, but you would have noticed we did yard work yesterday. Anybody else do some yard work yesterday? It was nice and hot. We did some yard work. Now, if you were to drive by my house, you would have said, wow, they, they put a lot of work into this yard. You could tell that we worked on it that day. But you would also be able to tell who mowed, me or my wife, Becky. You would know immediately. Those of you that know me well are going to, this isn't going to be a shocker for you. If you know Becky, it's definitely not going to be a shocker. So the way that you can tell who mowed our yard is based on the lines. You know what I'm talking about? Not if you know about the lines that I'm talking about. Yes, so the lines. So when I mow, you just need to know this. When I mow, the whole purpose for me of mowing is to finish mowing. I want to mow and be done. This is not a fun thing for me. It's not something I enjoy doing. I see some of you guys out there and you're just bebopping to all your headphones and you're loving mowing. I hate mowing, but I mow because I have to finish mowing. Becky, on the other hand, she mows to make a masterpiece. She mows and she has the lines all perfect and diagonal. Who mows diagonally? She mows in diagonals, and it looks pristine. I mean, it looks really good. So when I started to get the mower out yesterday, she did like one of these, oh, you're going to mow. And I was like, well, no, I was going to help out. You were doing a lot of things, so I wanted to carry my weight and mow. And she said, if you mow, Brian, don't mow like you normally mow. And I'm like, no, no, no. For me, when I mow, I mow to finish. I mow the same direction, the same way every single time. And Becky, I see some of you doing it here. Becky said, no, 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 no. You cannot mow the same way every single time. You cannot mow the same direction because then the blades, they get bent and you'll get ruts and all these things. And she's like, it messes up my lines. And I'm like, Becky, I love you dearly, but I'm going to mow the same way I have always mowed. Same way, same direction every single time because we're going to finish mowing. It's something familiar. It's something easy. I don't even have to think about it. But Becky, on the other hand, and again, it looks so much better when she does it. She knows which way she went last time. She goes a different way this time and different angles. Well, because in that sense, change is super helpful. But here's what I know, because you're a lot like me. Whether you're a mow the same way every time person like me, or you're over there cringing. I'm like, I, I'm never going to look at his yard. I'm never going to be able to look at him the same way ever again. Here's what we can all agree on. We love familiarity. So much, in fact, that we will make sure that we have some constants in our lives. Our world is full of change, and again, that's not just because of a pandemic. Our lives are constantly changing. We're moving into new things regularly. That's just part of life. And because our world changes pretty regularly, and we have such this love and drive and attraction to familiarity, we make sure we put certain constants in place. So for example, without thinking, I will always mow the same way, the same direction every single time. For many of you, at least here in the room, you probably sit about in the same seats every single time. Those of you at home watching, you're probably sitting in the same chair, the same couch, the same room. Why? Because we love familiar. We love constants. We park in the same parking spots. We get mad when things change because we struggle with change. We hold so tightly to the same that when change happens, it disrupts our familiar world. Change is happening Oh, but we have this love for same. So today has nothing to do with change, believe it or not. We're not going to talk about pros and cons of change. We're not going to talk about how to navigate change. We're not going to talk about how God can and will work in and through change. Today we're talking about same. Today we're talking about what never 
changes. In the midst of everything that seems like it's changing, we are talking and focusing on what I promise you will never change. You don't have to turn there, but let me read. James chapter one, verse, um, chapter one, starting in verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Let's do this real quick, because that's a big deal. Don't be deceived. I need you all at home, as well as here in the room. Say, I will not be deceived with me. Ready, one, two, three. I will not be deceived. One more time. I will not be deceived, because we're told, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. And look how God is described here. God, who does not change, like shifting shadows. He does not change. Life may change. May we even say life will change, but God never does. He is constant. He is not changing. So yes, I have no doubt if you're like me, there's this whirlwind of all that's new and all that's changing and all of this. But today I want you to pay attention to what is never going to change. So to help with that, we're gonna be going through Joshua. Joshua's story, and that's part of our journey from here to there. So if you have a Bible, head over to Joshua chapter one. Let me give you a little context on what's happening with Joshua so they had been in, the Israelites had been in Egypt, they had been slaves, then God used Moses to deliver them from Egypt, they'd been wandering around the desert. Now Moses has died, and God taps Joshua on the shoulder. Joshua, as we're going to see, is, was the servant to Moses, was his assistant, basically. So God looks at Joshua and says, it's time for you to take Moses' spot. It's time for you to lead my people. It's time for you to move these people from here to there, talking about the wilderness to the promised land. For Joshua, that's a lot of new. That's a lot of change. It's a new role, changing direction, changing leading. There's a lot of new and change in there. And here's what I want you to pay attention to as we go through this portion of scripture. See if you can catch all that's changing, because God brings it up, but also see if you can pay attention to all that's not changing. Can you do that? As we go through this passage, what is changing? What's new? But what does God say will not change and is not new? It'll remain the same. Here it is. Joshua chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, unfortunate father's name there, son of who? Son of Nun. Anyway, he's Moses' A, like we said, an assistant. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place you set your foot on, as I promised Moses, verse 5, no one, God says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now hold up there because there's a second part. We're going to look at that in a minute. So this first part, God comes to Joshua. Again, we talked about all the context, all the change, all the new. Moses is out. You're in. You have to lead these people to a new land, a new place, new job, Joshua, New problems, new leadership, new challenges, tons of change for Joshua. We could go through and list all the things that were different and all the things that were changing. But again, I want us to focus on what's same. Focus on the constant. Focus on what would be familiar. There's three of them. Let me go through them pretty quick. Out of all of the things that are changing for Joshua, and I think we could say the same thing for our lives. Out of all the things that are changing for us, these are the constants. These are the things that stay the same according to God. The first one is God always has a plan. Always. He always has a plan. Do we always understand it? No. Do we always see it? 
No. Do we always agree with it? Not necessarily. But he has a plan. And as he's telling Joshua, here's all the things that are about to change, he's also giving him parts of the plan, isn't he? Now, you're going to go here, and you're going to tell these people this, and you're going to lead them here, and I'm going to... Do you see how the plan is starting to work out? What's interesting about his plan, and specifically the language he uses, he tells Joshua, you're about to go into the land that I promised to give you. He says, here, as I promised Moses. Now, technically, this promise goes even further back than Moses. It goes all the way to Abraham, if you know your Bible history. To Abraham, God said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to give you a piece of land. I'm going to give you a place to go. And so most of the journey that we see God do through the Israelites from Abraham all the way to this point is moving that plan forward. And now Joshua's like, I get to see it happen. It's what he had promised so many others before me, Joshua had to have been thinking. And I get to be part of that plan. God always has a plan. That never changes. The second one, God always has your back. We just sang about God being for us. He is for you. He is for you. We get that also out of Romans chapter 8, where we're told, if God is for you, who could possibly be against you? Listen to some of the language here that God gives to Joshua. He says, yes, you're about to go into this new land, and he says, I'm about to give it to them. I'm going to be the one that hands this land over to, over to you. And then verse five, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. If that doesn't say I have your back, I don't know what will. No one can stand against you. I've got you. I've got this. It's more than just the I'll be with you. It's the I've got your back. He is fighting for you, standing up for you and with you. The third thing that never changes in the midst of all of our change is God is always with you. He's always with you. He reiterates that several different times. And that's not just something specific to Joshua. We see that throughout the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament. Somebody tell me in Matthew chapter 28, we call it the Great Commission. Jesus says that I have been given all authority on heaven and on earth. And he says that I'm about to give it to you, so go and make disciples. And the very last part of that says, and surely I will be with you always the very end of the age. It's not just for Joshua. That is a promise that God has continued to give his people, Old Testament, New Testament, Joshua, us, me, you. He says, I will be with you. Now, let me go just a little bit further in here because he says, not just I will be with you. This had to have been so comforting for Joshua to hear. God says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Let that sink in for a second. Joshua, he was the aide or the assistant, the servant to Moses. So that meant Joshua had a front row seat to how God and Moses interacted. Joshua got a front row seat to see the miracles that God did with Moses and through Moses and for his people. And now that Joshua is taking that leadership role, God doesn't just say, I'm with you. He says, remember what you saw me do with Moses? Do you remember how close me and Moses were? Did you remember, did you see, think back to all that I did with Moses? As I was with Moses, Joshua, I will also be with you. The same God that delivered the Israelites, Joshua, that's the same God that's with you. The same God that parted the Red Sea, Joshua, that's the same God that's with you. Can I say the same thing to you and me for a second? The same God that delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, same God that's with you. Same God that parted the Red Sea. That's the same God that's with you. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead. Guess what? That's the same God that's with you and with me. He 
is always with us. Those constants in the midst of change, God makes sure Joshua is aware of, makes sure that he knows. But then he turns the corner. He starts those first five verses are God saying, here's what's changing, but here's what's not changing. Now, the next several verses are things that he's going to command Joshua to do. So if we know those constants, God is always with us. He, is, uh, he always has a plan, right? He's always for us. He has our back. If those are never changing, well, then God looks at Joshua and says, now there's some things that I need you to do. Listen to how he instructs Joshua. Again, listen for the constants. Look for those words always. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So God starts, again, here's everything that's changing, Joshua. But here's what's not changing. My promises to you are constant. But then he turns the corner and says, now there's some things that you need to do. So Joshua, even though things are changing, here's what should never change for you. See what God's doing here? He starts by saying, here's what's not changing with me, but then he turns it to Joshua and says, here's what should never change for you. And I think for any of us, we could read verses six through nine here and plug our own names into that because of the changes that we might be dealing with, the new that you and I might be walking into. God's promises are constant, but some of our responses should also remain constant. So let's go through those for Joshua, but also for us. First one, we always lead. As a leader, we always lead. Now, some of you are like, no, 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 I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. I do not have any titles in my name. I do not have, and you go through the list of everything you don't have of why you're not a leader. Let me help you understand. What was Joshua before he was to lead the people? He was Moses' aide. To be a good leader, you also have to know how to follow, and that's what Joshua had learned. John Maxwell says that leadership is influence. So guess what? You all are leaders because we all have been given influence. Some have more influence, some have less influence. Some have influence with a lot more people and some just a few. But I promise you, each and every one of you has a circle of influence. Right here, right now, wherever you are, someone is following you. Someone is following you. Whether you realize it or not, whether you're making the most of it or not, someone, I promise you, is looking to you and following you. That makes you a leader because you have influence. God has given you that influence. Here, God reminds Joshua what he is a leader for. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to something specific, to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So he's saying, Joshua, just keep in mind, where you go, they go. Where you go, they go. Let me say the same to you. Where you go, they also go. I love how Paul writes this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Can you say that? We're not gonna do that perfectly. This isn't a guilt trip, but it's to feel the weight of leadership. 
feeling the weight of people that are looking to you and following in your footsteps. So when we experience change and we walk through change, we should always be leading and always remember that we are leading. People are watching you on how you walk through this. People are watching you to see how you navigate change. People are watching you and taking cues from you on how you will begin to walk from here to there. Parents, I don't even need to say it, but let me say it. (laughs) Your kids are watching and following you. How you deal with stress, how you deal with anger, how you deal with problems, how you deal with fill in the blank, they are watching you and you are leading them. In your workplace, in your neighborhood, on Facebook, I won't stay there too long because it's too convicting, but we'll keep moving. People are following. So make sure we know we are always leading, always leading. Second one, we always obey, always obey. Now, God spent a good amount of time in this short section really honing in on this, on this part. He says, be strong, very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. I mean, do you hear the weight of that? And I think careful is the perfect word here. Be careful to obey. In other words, be very thoughtful. Be intentional. Right? It's not this idea of tiptoeing around, but it's I'm making sure that this next step is following God. That's what it means to always obey. There's this idea given here, because you could think of obey as just, here's a decision, I need to make a right or a wrong decision. Here's another decision, I need to make a right or wrong decision. That's one way to view obey. Let me give you another way to view obey. Predetermined obedience. Predetermined obedience. Here's the best way for me to explain that. I've taught my kids to obey me to the best that I possibly can. Let's see how they do on that. One of those rules that we have in place is when you step out into the street, you look left, right, left, right? Everybody do that with me. At home, it's going to look silly, but it's fun for me to watch you all do this. Ready? Everybody go left, right, left. If you walk out in the street, you should always do that. Why? Because you're looking for cars. Now, what I don't teach my kid is you only look left, right, left if there's a car. No, that would, that would be ridiculous. That wouldn't be helpful because the whole point of looking left, right, left is so that if there's a car, you're ready and you see it. So I've trained my kids. Every time you step foot in the street, left, right, left, and it happens. They step foot in the street. Ah, you didn't look left, right, left. And I hear it said back to me, well, there's not a car. And I said, well, there might be one day predetermined obedience says, I'm going to continue to obey. Look left, right, left even if I don't necessarily need that decision right now. Jesus, in the end, at the end of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, he tells this parable of a wise builder and a foolish builder. Do you know this story? The foolish builder builds his house on the what? And they even wrote a song about this for kids' ministry. Build his house on the sand, right? And then what happened? The storm came, the winds blew, and when the house stand or fall down? Fell down. The wise builder, on the other hand, built his house on the rock, Built his house on the rock. The winds came, the storm came, the rains blew, and the house did not fall. The whole point of that parable is for Jesus to get this point across. Those who hear my words and obey them are like the wise builder. So what kind of foundation are you building your house on? That's this idea of predetermined obedience. That's the obedience that God was trying to get Joshua to understand. It's not just when you get to a decision, make sure it's the right one. No, he said every step of every day, be careful. You do not move too far to the left or too far to the right. It's always on your lips. You're always paying attention because you never know when the moment is going to come. 
We're always leading. We always obey. Lastly, we always endure. Always endure. Let me give you a definition of endurance that'll help this sink in a little bit. Endurance is this. The ability to continue despite fatigue, stress, or otherwise adverse conditions. Anybody need some endurance today? Endurance. The ability to keep going. And the reason we are always focusing on endurance is this last part. God said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You got to think, why did God feel the need to tell Joshua, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged? Because he was going to feel afraid and feel discouraged at some point. You don't need to tell somebody, don't be afraid, if they're never going to be in a situation that's fearful. You don't need to tell somebody, don't be discouraged, if they're never going to experience some level of discouragement. So God wanted to make it clear, Joshua, you are going to be in scary situations. Joshua, things are not always going to go the way you think and the way you expect, and it's going to be easy to get discouraged. But when you come into those moments, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Here's a way to think through endurance, because just based off of the, the definition we gave, it's that idea to continue to move forward. I want you to think of heels and toes, right? Being either on your heels or being on your toes. When you are afraid, you get on your heels, don't you? You back up, right? When you are discouraged, it slows you down. You kind of hunker down. It hurts, so you, you, you get on your heels. Endurance says, I'm pushing forward. Have you ever tried to push something forward on your heels? It doesn't work. Right? Heels are meant to go backwards. Toes are meant to go forward. So if you're going to always endure, you stay on your toes because you're moving forward. You might be going a little bit slower. It might be a harder of a road, but you continue to move and push forward. So you've got to stay on your toes. So think toes, not heels. When you walk into something new, when you're walking into change, you walk into it on your toes, not on your heels. Is it easier to fall down on your toes or your heels? A whole lot easier on your heels. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Second Timothy says this about how I would des describe discouragement and how to keep moving with endurance. Second Timothy chapter four, verse five. But you, you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. You might say, well, I don't have a ministry and I'm not an evangelist. Well, put it in context. First, keep your head in all situations. Can I say that one more time? Can we, in changes and in the new, always keep our head in all situations? We endure hardship, that's toes. We move forward through hardships and through difficulties, don't we? He says, do the work of an evangelist. In other words, do your job. Do what God's called you to do. That goes back to you will always lead. Do what God has called you to do. Well, it's really hard, and I don't know if I can right now, and things aren't working the way that do what God has called you to do. Be who God has called you to be. You keep going. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardships. Stay on your toes. Do the work that God has given you. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Here's how I relate to that last part. And we can have a discussion on whether this is taking it out of context or not. I just want to tell you how it feels in my own heart. To be able to stand before the Lord and say, I did everything I think I could have done. 
Not perfectly, we stumble in the right direction. But everything you gave me, I gave back. Everything you did for me, I wanted to reflect back. That's the whole follow me as I follow Christ. We will not do that perfectly. That's why we need Jesus. So in the midst of change, in the midst of everything that is new, God said, here's the things you need to know about me that will never, ever change. He says, I've always got a plan. I've always got your back. And I will always be with you. But in the midst of change and all that's new and all the new that we're walking into, he says, here's what I need you to always do. Always lead. Because someone is following you. Someone is watching you. Where are you leading them? It's the harder question. Always lead. Pay attention to what we always do or maybe what we always don't do. Enduring the hardships, always obeying. Staying on our toes and not being back on our heels. Did you catch, because this is a pretty famous section of scripture, did you catch the the setup for each of those always? Did you catch them? If you're going to always lead, if you're going to always obey, and if you're going to always endure, did you catch the setup? Because God says it three times. Be strong and, what is it? Courageous. So be strong and courageous as you lead. Be strong and very courageous to be careful to obey. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and don't be discouraged. So if you're going to always lead, if you're going to always obey, if you're going to commit to always enduring, then you better be strong and courageous is what I get out of that. So how do we do that? Where do we get our strength from? Where do we get our courage from? Let me tell you where we don't get it from. We don't get it from our own abilities, do we? Nowhere in here does God say, Joshua, you're the right man for this job. I've watched you and I've seen you. You're super strong. You've got a great head on your shoulders. I believe you can do this, Joshua. Nowhere does he say that. He says, you better be strong and courageous and rely on those things that I told you earlier. You better be strong and very courageous and put your trust in me, the one who never changes. Joshua, you better be strong and courageous and follow me every step of the way. In fact, even, even God reminds him that this doesn't work if he doesn't follow God. He says in the end of verse 8, after this whole be careful to obey, then you will be proper, prosperous and successful. So if we refuse to follow and trust in God, then this whole thing isn't going to work. Our strength and our courage comes only from the one who never changes. Yes, so much can and will continue to change. Our trust, our hope, our faith is in the one who never does. That's where our hope lies. And in return, we get strength from him. We get our confidence because of him to always lead, to always obey, and to always endure. I want to share something with you. Personally, um, back in March, March 15th was the first Sunday that we did not have the facility open. And I remember thinking, ah, oh, this will just be a couple week things. <laughs> yeah, months later, right? We're still navigating that, as you know. But I was praying. I was like, okay, God, new seasons, and how's this going to work? I, I trust you. I know this is going to work out, but have you, ever, have you had some of those prayer moments of, God, I trust you, but... <laughs> God, I believe you're going to do something, but. God, I have full reliance on you, but. Yeah, I had a lot of those moments early on. So I was going through scripture. I said, God, I just need you to speak to me a little bit. 
right? Things that I encourage you to do. Believe it or not, I actually do it sometimes. And in Psalm chapter 62, and I'm sure you can't see this. If you want to see it afterwards, I'll be happy to show it to you. It's written in pink pen. And I'm pretty, I was trying to remember why I wrote these notes in pink. I'm pretty sure because that was like my first week of working at home, working remotely. And I didn't have like any of my stuff from an office. So I had like a pink pen, which I'm sure is my daughter's pen. But this passage spoke to me. And so I wrote in pink pen next to Psalm 62, coronavirus verse 2020. Let me read it for you. Because this is where our strength and this is where our confidence and this is where our courage comes from. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. And please hear this. I will never be shaken. Talk about something that never changes. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. And we hear it again. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock. He is my refuge. Verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Did you hear what never changes? I needed that back in March. I needed it in April. I needed it in May. I needed it in June. I needed it in July. I still need it today. And it has nothing to do with a pandemic in our world. It has everything to do with where my strength and my courage comes from. And I pray it's where your strength and your courage comes from as well. Not from you and all the things that can change. But it's in the one who never, ever changes. Let's pray. As we pray and as your eyes are closed, home and here in the room, would you just have an honest moment between you and the Lord? I have no doubt, like me, you've prayed about all these changes and all these decisions and all the new that you're wrestling with, new that you're excited about, new that you're dreading, new that you don't even know is happening. Would you be willing to, in this moment, forget and put on pause all the changes and all the new and just focus, have God focus through his Holy Spirit on the constants? That he loves you, that he's with you, that he's for you, that he's fighting for you, that he's got your back, that he has a plan, and it's a lot better than anything you or I could come up with. Would you commit to the constants that he calls us to, to always lead, and to lead well, and ultimately to lead people to Jesus? That we would choose to obey before maybe that decision even needs to be made, predetermined obedience and decisions? Would you commit to always enduring, to stay on your toes, to get off your heels, to move forward, to push forward? If you want to go from here to there, you're going to have to walk through change, but if you're going to have to walk through change, do it holding on to what will never change. Him and our commitment to him. I will not be shaken because my trust is in him. Jesus, thank you so much for how you move in our lives. I pray that we would make you that rock that you talk about, that we would make you our refuge, that we would remember where our hope comes from, remember where our salvation comes from. It has nothing to do with us and everything to do with you. 
in the midst of a life that changes constantly. May we hold on to what never changes. Pray whatever decisions we need to make personally, God, that you would move in this place at home, online, in the car, on a phone, watching it later in the week or here in the room to make you our Lord and Savior for the first time, to re-up our commitments to always following you, to say, I've put off baptism for far too long. It's time to make it happen. And even a pandemic isn't gonna keep me from declaring that you're my Lord and my Savior. Whatever, wherever we are in our journey, would you move us forward as we follow you in Jesus' name?